This is the SCT Show. Hughes carries to the hash mark, into the slot, Horvat scores! Just 12 seconds into the man advantage, the captain gets the Canucks on the board. Four fans. I want to win a cup. And I don't know if you guys want to win a cup. I want to win a cup. Bye fans. I mean, it's pretty obvious to me that Jimbo got his ass handed to him this offseason, right? Like, I, I, I could just imagine Aquilini must have just tore him a new asshole. Here are your hosts, Tanbir Rana and Nam Man. No Nam today, uh, tonight. We have uh, a couple new guys on the show here. Uh, Nick, Nick Bondi is uh, joining us here today uh, to talk about the Canucks and talk about our, our betting uh, success recently. Also have Joe Marino, Bertuzzi Nelson scores on Twitter, um, uh, joining us, and he's always you know joining us whenever he can. And Garminder Dollywall, uh, RBC specialist, I mean, mortgage specialist from RBC Bank, my bad. And obviously our producer, Ryan Lee, all, doing all the hard work. Uh, and he'll probably join in and talk about the Canucks and everything that's going on with the season so far. Uh, let's talk about our betting success, success before we get on to, you know, uh, the Canucks and Jim Benning's, you know, press conference that, you know, has everyone talking. Um, we have been unreal this week. Um, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, pump ourselves up or anything. The record, the numbers say it all. 11-1-2 uh, this week, and our one loss of the UFC loss. We haven't, we've gone, we've gone undefeated with NBA and, and, and NHL picks this week, which is hard to do, especially with, we were taking overs only. We weren't taking unders. We were <clears> taking <throat> overs the whole time this week, and man, like, there's obviously something that we changed in picking our play of the days and bonus plays, and it's because we've, first off, we brought in Nick, who's great at doing <laughs> at betting. You know, we've had Griminder, who's also helped us with our bets, and and also we don't. Gavin hasn't been on the pod, but he's also a young guy that knows his hockey uh, and and knows his sports. And it's, you know, Prab obviously doing his work on the on the on the IG page and uh, also giving uh, helping us out. We have consensus. That's what we've been doing with our picks. We've been putting our heads together, trying to pick the best pick, and just like today. I wanted to take Florida on the money line today. The Panthers on the money line. Joe's like, no, like that's not. I don't think that. I don't feel safe with that pick, you know. And I and did too, to be honest. I did too. Yeah. I want to take Florida. I like Chris Drieger, man. I like Chris Drieger. Exactly, and and luckily Joe talked us out of it, <clears> and we took two overs. The overs were successful all week long, and you know, and first off, bringing Nick in has helped a lot. Ever since we brought Nick and Gavin and Grimminder and you know consensus in. To our picks, it's worked out, and Nick has a theory why it's worked out. Yeah, so there's a behavioral economics theory I've read about uh, a while ago. It's called the wisdom of crowds. Okay, I, it's based off a book from 2004 by James Surowiecki. I, I didn't read the book, but I remember reading an article about the book a while back. I just want to read you the definition of the wisdom of crowds. Okay, wisdom of crowds is the idea that large groups of people are collectively smarter than individual experts. When it comes to problem solving, decision making, innovating, and predicting, the idea of wisdom crowds can be traced back to Aristotle's theory of collective judgment, as present, presented in his work Politics. He used a potluck dinner as an example, explaining that a group of individuals may come together to create a more satisfying feast for a group as a whole than what one individual might provide. 
and it's true. Like we, me and Nick were talking about it before we st- uh, started the pod. When you watch how uh, how to be a millionaire, the, remember that show uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Um, the audience always always was on the money. Like mm-hmm. when you uh, wanted help from the audience, they would you know hit it. They, they were on the money all the time, and um, it shows you like you know we and, and it's going to continue. I, I feel like our success. Obviously, we're going to have times where we, we aren't great, but I think our success is going to continue because you know we have Joe who. You know, has been and you know, Cam Stewart's been on our show and how much he loves Joe. You know, he's been <laughs> he's he's gone through it all. You can tell he's been gambling for a bit, and Germinder has been obviously you know helped us out as well. And like, what are your guys' thoughts on our success so far? Like, how, you guys enjoying you know taking these overs and NHL plays, uh, Joe? Yeah, for sure. I think you know that's totally right. Where when you pool your knowledge is <clears throat> that's the way to go. And I think that, like, there's, it's been really good. Like, there's been a few bets that, you know, one of you guys have said that I thought, oh, man, I don't know about. But then when mm-hmm. I think about it more, I start going, you know what? That's a pretty good pick. Or, like, you know, why do you think that? And then you tell me why you think it. And I go, okay, um, I'm in. So I think it's definitely, um, it's definitely doing it as a team has been really good. And I think for people out there, you know, it should really be tailing us by now. If you're not, I mean, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> How about you, Commander? <laughs> you, you know what? Um, I think uh, Nick, what you said was was great. It's a great um, way to explain uh, a group coming together and coming to consensus, right? And I'm an academic guy, and that's a great that was a great uh, explanation of how people together can succeed, right? Um, there's games out there that I don't look at that uh, one of us, someone else says, and I'm like, oh, I missed it. Or there's something I look at and we bring it to the, to the table. And when we talk about it, we can help rationalize our decision to optimize and maximize our efficiency at, uh, at winning. And that's what we want to do, right? We're not going to win every day. The magic number is what, 63%, 64 percent um, um, But if I did it by myself... I would never, I, I can, you can't hit like that, right? So um, we, we all do the work together. And the best part of this is I really enjoyed being a part of the group and doing it all together and thinking about plays where I might not have seen or might not ever make, but someone else has some insight or at the end of the day, even intuition, right? As to why it's going to kill. And uh, uh, like Joe just said, if you're not tailing, you got to tell, man, like uh, a great week, right? And we have to be humble about it and realize that we need to keep doing what we're doing mm-hmm. and keep on keeping on. And, and uh, yeah, no, and I, I agree. I think it's, I think we've been doing really well. And there's yeah, been, exactly. yeah, there's been, there's a couple of things that we needed things to go your way, but that's life, right? Yeah, <laughs> you <laughs> luck involved for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the couple NBA plays this week, there was a couple times where we were sweating the over. We were just sweating. We we're like, what's good? Like, I remember what was that game where uh, <laughs> there was like uh, one guy fouled and we needed like one point or oh, something. Oh, that, that was the over in Dallas, Chicago. That yeah, came I, down to like they had the, we had, they had to play the foul game at the end for that for that to go over pretty much. And that was stressful, and it was just you know. Um, oh no! The biggest one, sorry, was uh, Atlanta. Atlanta, they were yeah. down by like twenty-five at half or thirty mm-hmm. at half, and they managed to cover a three-point spread yeah, at the very last one. minute because they foul. That's Orlando fouls. That was a that was miraculous. That was pure. That 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 was luck was on our side for that one. 
and we try to think outside the box. We're not trying to give you minus two twenty favorites. We're trying to give you like we're not trying to go any higher than minus one twenty, maybe minus one thirty. And today we were really close to taking Ottawa on the money line. I don't know. I think Nick and Joe were talking about it. We were yeah, really yeah. Uh, we were talking about Ottawa on the money line, and Joe actually got like Ottawa uh, on the first period over. Uh, that was a good pick. Yeah, yeah like I did. Over I zero did. And a half. Yeah, I did. My Ottawa minus minus a half for the first period. And it was I got that plus two forty. That's so that that's was awesome. Huge. Yeah, that's actually something that uh, give it owes a tip. I've done that a few times this year. I bet against Calgary starts have been horrible. If, mm-hmm. I don't know what the stats are for the first period, but I guarantee you they're the worst first period team in the <laughs> NHL. Um, and so yeah, hitting hitting that today that was pretty nice. Uh, speaking of struggling teams, actually, tracks are pretty hot right now. Actually, not hot, but you know they're they're starting to get some. The groove back. They won three of four uh, in March. Um, was Jake in the top six? <laughs> can't stop, can't, <laughs> cannot mention that, right? Um, and with Demko, uh, Demko, man, what a what a goalie this guy is. Um, didn't really like the Tavares goal, but sometimes you just got to give the the shooter some credit. That's John Tavares, you know, ripping a clapper, uh, and they beat him short side. But Demko was great uh, last night for the Canucks, and they've won two straight against the Leafs. They swept the Leafs in a two-game series here, and now they've got the Montreal Canadiens uh, coming into town uh, for a two-game series as well. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Canucks pulling off some wins and uh, making it a little bit interesting? I don't know. Do you guys still think they could you know, go on a run here and uh, you know, maybe make the playoffs? Nick? I mean, there's, there, there's a chance. There's mm-hmm. obviously still a chance, but you know, a lot has to go right in their favor, I think for that to happen. Like, look, look at Saturday night. They beat the Leafs, and it was a great win, great comeback win. They beat them in regulation. But uh, but the Oilers won in regulation as well, and Montreal won in regulation as well. So despite, you know, a great comeback against the Leafs, you didn't really make up any ground. You kind of mm-hmm. just held serve, and that and that's really the problem that the Canucks are in because of their bad start is you have to win these games. You also have to make up ground at the same time. And, you know, sometimes you have to – wait for out of town results to go your way. And sometimes like the series they got coming up against the Habs, you got to win these two games in regulation. If you know, Montreal gets a point in overtime and you still win, then you're not really making up any ground. Like you got to make, you got to win these games in regulation and go on a bit of run. If they have any chance, like that's really the issue here. I think they have four games against Montreal in this month. So some big games coming up against Montreal, who team you are chasing in the standings. Garinder, uh, what are your thoughts on the recent play of the Canucks? I th- um, yes, they're playing better. When, they, when Nick said, we need a lot of things to know, go right now in order to make the playoffs. Uh, but this Leafs team came in like the 2012 Canucks where they just played good enough to win just to get to where they need to get to. They're that good, Right. And winning without Pedersen was very interesting. Yeah, that's um, that's the interesting part for yeah. me. Yeah, um, I think obviously he makes our team. He's our, he's our best player. I think he's better than he, Quinn Hughes. Yeah, he's our, he he's our top player going forward, a franchise player. But so much needs to go right because they dug themselves such a, a deep hole. And I, I think we spoke about it on the podcast last time. Now Demko's taking the reins, and he's playing like he's playing like bubble Demko. <laughs> that should be his name, right? Uh, yeah, the Tavares goal. That's okay. It happens, right? Everybody misses mm-hmm. stuff. I, I, well, we all play hockey or we all play sports, and sometimes when things go our way, we weren't expecting. We're like, oh wow, we were pretty lucky about that one. 
Mm-hmm. But it is John Tavares, right? Coming down the yeah. lane. I'm not going to stop that 10 out of 10 times. <laughs> but yeah. to make the playoffs is tough. I think we caught the Leafs coming in overconfident. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Right? I think uh, so. Yeah. And the next time we have a two game set, it's going to be so much harder to beat them because we were down in the game. Right? We had to score three goals in the third to win. And how often, yeah. do, uh, how often do we do that? Um, it's nice now. Um, it ha- takes the heat off Jim Benning a little bit, um, like on the surface. But his his press conference could have been couldn't have been more of a disaster. Yeah, yeah we'll talk. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, know, we'll talk about the yeah. press conference uh, here pretty soon. But yeah, I agree. That press conference was pretty comical. Uh, I think everybody in Canucks Twitter, Canucks Nation, even if you're not on Twitter, was probably like. Not everybody. I'm sure there's people that support Benning. Uh, we're just like, what are you saying? Like, you know what I mean? But we'll talk about that later. But Joe, what are your thoughts on the Canucks? And do you think they have a chance to maybe get back into it? Not really. Like, so that last ten game stretch we had, where we played uh, or we played Calgary, um, Edmonton, and Winnipeg. So there was ten games. When I looked at the schedule a few weeks prior, I thought that ten game stretch is going to define the season. We got six points out of 20. It was pathetic. (laughs) Just pathetic. Like, so for me, I pretty much gave up hope for this season at that point. Um, I think if we get on some sort of magical run that, and we make the playoffs, it's going to be great because like, you know, I I haven't studied the draft too much or the draft doesn't look too, too exciting. And with our lottery luck, like I, I don't care about tanking. Like I just, I'll never subscribe to tanking. Like, you know, fine. We might miss the playoffs. Sure. We might get another nice piece, we might also fall in the lottery and pick 15th overall regardless. So it's like, you know, yeah, but I, I've, I've kind of put away the playoffs for now. Um, if we can get hot and Demko plays like he's been playing, of course we have a chance mathematically you're still alive. And the one thing I like about the Canucks is they're starting to get that grit factor in their game. They're starting to get the hunger back in their game. A guy like JT Miller, who people have been all over this year, like he's mm-hmm. starting to round into form. Like he's, you know, that last, his Leafs game was vintage JT Miller. So, yeah. you know, there's some nice signs there for sure, but I, I'm, I'm done. Ryan, yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think? You know, like they're going to get close to the playoffs, but they're probably just going to miss. Like, obviously there's still a chance, but my thing is they won what back to back games for the first time since the last week of January. I think like, that's not good. Yeah. I mean, come on, you're only playing against teams within like your own, division i don't think there's really any too many there's not many teams in this division that are super super like super super good that are that much better than you toronto sure um montreal i don't think they are they've been playing like it but like you're pretty much evenly matched with all these teams apart from ottawa and it's like you i don't necessarily see a scenario where this team doesn't put together more wins back to back but they're not going to do it enough and they're not going to do it enough in regulation where they can, you know, keep those points away from um, everyone else. They're going to just miss out. That's what they always do. They, they never really? suck enough and they're never good enough. They're going to just miss out. Just watch. Mediocre. Um, yeah. <laughs> this, uh, that's a, that, for me personally, like, um, yeah, that like Joe was talking about that 10 game stretch before uh, in February. That was tough. That was hard to watch. That was tough hockey to watch um i look at the schedule coming up here and you know i know i I know that the canucks are 
in a hole and they've played the most games at anyone in the division and you know like it's gonna be tough you know but they got two wins uh against the least without Pedersen and that to me is just giving me a little bit of hope you know maybe that brings some confidence to the rest of the group because I felt like during that stretch where we weren't winning and we got six points, Pedersen was like the only one scoring. It felt like, like he was, he was scoring and yeah, he was in a lot of posts, but he was scoring and everybody else was like, like Bo wasn't going, even though I thought Bo's game was fine. Like he, like all points wise, it wasn't going and you know, Jake couldn't get anything going and Tanner Pearson still is struggling, but I thought on the power play last, last night, he was doing some good work, hard work along the walls and stuff and winning some battles. Um, I don't know if they make the playoffs, and I sort of agree with Ryan. Like they might just barely miss, but like I look at the next the schedule coming up. You got two against Montreal, right? And Nick talked about it. We're gonna have to win both those games in regulation, probably if we want to, you know, get back into this race. That's four points taking four points away from Montreal, a team that you're chasing. That's massive. And then you a team, another team that you're chasing, the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, you're going to Edmonton to play Ed, uh, the Oilers. And that's just a one game. That's just a one gamer. It's not a series. It's a one gamer. That one gamer could be massive. You know what I mean? Like, like the Oilers were like lost three straight to the lease, and that that sort of you know helped the Canucks out a little bit as well. Uh, and then you have two against Ottawa. So let's say you do sweep the the Canadians and you beat the Oilers. Those are two teams that you're chasing. Now you have two games against Ottawa, uh, and you could go on a run right here. So you got. That's five. Maybe you could win. Maybe you get like a overtime point or something like that, or, or something like uh, in in that stretch. And after Ottawa, you got two more against the Montreal Canadiens. These yeah. games coming up are massive. And against teams that you're chasing, Montreal, Edmonton, and then obviously Ottawa, who's a a team you should be able to beat in two straight. But you know the Calgary Flames can't do that. So you know I know the Canucks have had success against them in three straight uh, in the in the three meetings that they've had. I think that is possible, but it all starts with riding Demko, and I joke when I say this, and playing Jake in the top six, because I feel like, <laughs> okay, I know, I know, we're gonna, I'm just, you know, I'm half serious, but I'm also serious. Like I do believe that he is one of our better wingers on our team. Like we're not, we're not a good, we're not an elite team. First off, so having Jake in the top six, I think, is a priority because his speed is something that we need, especially with Tyler Mott out, right? And he got two goals against Toronto, no Pedersen in the lineup. Demko's been playing well. Um, and I think that, you know, ever since Jake's been back on PP2, the PP2 has, has scored as well. So um, I'm just saying, like, I think that, you know, playing him is important because Tanner Pierce isn't going. And we need someone else to step up. I think Gaudette still has more to give. You know what I mean? Like, and let's say... Because let's, I think we could all agree that Hoaglander, uh, Besser, and Miller looked pretty good last night in the last two games that they played together. Mm-hmm. What if you could put PD with Bo and JV? Like, I think that's a line that could work. And I know spinning a lot of lines is not something the fans want to do because Brock and PD are supposed to play with each other. But when you see, see that line drive play like they did the last two games against a really good team in Toronto, why not give it a look and see what happens? You know what I mean? So, I don't know if they make the playoffs, but because they put themselves in such a fucking hole, man. Like, but if they do, they're gonna be going into the playoffs riding hot, and that's not a team I would want to play. Uh, getting hot at the right time, you know. So, like, my opinion is 
if they do make it, it'd be great. But I'm not expecting it. But I'm hopeful, sort of, that they can. Uh, let's talk about the the press conference because a lot of things were said uh, by Jim Benning that were mind-boggling to me. One being um, saying that he didn't know that they were going to play all Canadian teams this year. Um, and that sort of plays a factor into their season. Like, I don't get that because you're supposed to be building a team to win no matter where, what division you fucking play in. You're trying to build a team that could win. <laughs> like, and, how, and, how, and how long before in the season did the Vegas owner leak that they were going to do the divisions? Mm-hmm. Like, I yeah. heard, I heard exactly. like, Jim, Jim's not plugged in. He doesn't know. But I can hear, like, give yeah. me a break. I, I thought like, it's been common knowledge since, you know, September – September, like there's going to be a Canadian division and you weren't going to be able to have a regular sort of NHL season. Like I thought, and if I, again, Joe makes that, makes a good point. If I know that, how the hell does Jim Benning not know that? <laughs> exactly. Um, Like, and he, like what you're going to beat up on teams like LA and San Jose. I actually heard. LA hasn't even uh, been that bad. Exactly. Yeah, so like, they they'd probably beat the Canucks a few times if they, if they <laughs> yeah. play them this season. Yeah. I was listening to the, the van cast with Jeff Pat and Thomas Drance and, you know, I'm sorry, Dan, I'm trying to have been trolling you recently. It's been a lot of fun. But, um, <laughs> like, they were talking about, like, Ellie is actually pretty good this year. Like, you're not going to be beating up on them. Like, there's absolutely, like, they're actually a pretty good team this year. Like, and I'm pretty sure the Canucks lost a couple games to Anima- Anaheim last year as well. So, like, that's not something that even made any sense to me. Uh, Jimbo said a lot of things that they live day by day. Uh, like, and they're like, we don't know what we're going to do with Tanner Pearson yet. That's the most concerning part to me. What are your guys' thoughts? Like, what was something Jim Benning said that really, like, just struck a nerve? Like, that's just, like, why are you saying that? That made absolutely no sense. Let's start with Joe. Well, for me, you know, like, pretty much everything Benning says drives you nuts. So the thing is, too, is, like, okay, so I get he's a good hockey man and, you know, and all that. But if you if your speaking skills are that piss poor, why do you not have a president? <laughs> like, how does someone on the team not go – you know what? Mm-hmm. We better get this guy away from the mic. Like, sorry, but this isn't Columbus or something. This is Vancouver. You can't bumble your way through a press conference and not expect to get lit up for it. So my biggest thing is like, if that's your performance in a press conference, you need to hire someone to at least deflect some of that. So you're not coming in looking like a bumbling idiot all the time. Go right there. Uh, like, you know, I need, we ran out of time like come on (laughs) right i 100 percent agree with joe there was nothing we heard that we didn't know already if we as the paying public know there's going to be a canadian division what is that kind of an excuse the biggest the biggest issue with canucks in their entire franchise history has been travel we're the second furthest western team in the entire national hockey league right yeah. Mm-hmm. To, San Jose is the farthest one, 730 games. That's how you know we're seven. You got to fly all the way to New York, then Philly, then Nashville, yeah. then back to Detroit, then back to Buffalo. Mike Gillis and Lawrence Gilman and even Trevor Linden went to the league and said, no, we're not going to do this. There is no excuse. You're going to go to Edmonton, play three times. What's the problem? Mm-hmm. You're going to go to Calgary. This is actually the ideal year where they should have done something. And as a season, as a full season ticket holder when I was 22 years old, um, I'm not going to divulge how much I've spent, but it's enough for a down payment for condo downtown. <laughs> right? 
And I get emails all the time to renew. Why? Why? Why should I renew? Now why should I? And I don't buy this stuff about uh, the pandemic. There are so many, there are thousands and thousands of people not as affluent as the Aquilinis that have lost their jobs, lost their homes, their mm -hmm. families under hardship. And you can't run a hockey team? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And so I'm sitting there listening like, uh, like, you know, we're two years away. <laughs> well, now that's what, 25 years for me? <laughs> right? Of, of supporting this team and not getting an answer. And Joe, you're absolutely right. If you cannot speak in front of the media, get someone to speak. And why isn't the, FA? Why isn't Francesco Accolini talking to the media? Yeah. Like, like, why? Yeah, he's well, he's, he's, he's just as talk. bad. He's, he's just the guy bad. people need to hear from at this point. Like, we've heard like, enough of Jim enough Benny. Twitter stuff. Like, I want to hear you in front of the media. Like, I could, you know, we could talk about Jim Benning and you know how he's not the best guy when it talk when it comes to PR and saying the right things and all that stuff because. You know, I think Jim is pretty honest a lot of the times with the media, and 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 when he's honest, there's times where you're just like, why, why you did you just say that? Why did you just say we do stuff day by day and not think about the long term future of the team? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's the kind of stuff that just like, why did you? Just, I know you're being honest, but why would you say that? Like, like is this like in the talk in the talk with uh, mm -hmm. he talks with Francesco day, daily. That's what he said. He talks with Francesco daily. So what's going mm -hmm. on here? Like, is Francesco the president of hockey ops slash owners slash general manager slash coach? Mm -hmm. Like, is he like Jackie Moon? All like, like Jackie Moon in the the movie, uh, what's it called? Like a semi pro, where like he's doing everything. He's all like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just stupid. Like, I just don't get it. I know Nick, you got a lot of a lot of things to say. Uh, what what really got you? <sighs> You yeah, know, like there's just there's tough. just so much. Like you, just the way he doesn't want to take blame for anything. It's you know I, mm. I tweet this out. It's like it's like a, gra a groundhog day. Like you could have put that press conference in from any year since what 2016, and it would have been just a loop. It would have been him all blaming this, blaming that. He blamed like no exhibition games, no training camp. Like, yeah. Every other team had to deal with that. Like how is that an yeah. excuse? Every mm -hmm. other single NHL team did not have exhibition games. They had a shortened training camp like why is that an excuse every other team had to deal with that again like, yeah and like just the revelation that he speaks of francesco aquilini on a day-to-day -day basis like i know people are out there are worried that jim benning was going to make some sort of panic trade to try and save his job right you know trade someone trade this year's first round pick for some i don't think that's going to happen because i think francesco aquilini is literally pulling the strings right now like i don't think mm -hmm. jim benning can really do anything with this franchise without approval from Francesco Aquilini. And again, that's why I want to hear from him in some capacity because he's the guy who's really calling the shots now. Jim Benning is is, is a lame duck. Like, he's not... He doesn't really have any control of this franchise, in my opinion. I think Jim, at this point, is just trying to keep his job and yeah. just be a yes man and just be like... And that's where I, like... It sort of makes sense why Gillis got canned because, you know, Gillis makes the playoffs... The, all, the whole way through, like, I don't think he missed a play. I only missed a playoff once, and he gets fired. <laughs> like, he, he goes to the cup final. Um, you know, and the, the team loses their first round and a couple times right after, and that's disappointing for sure. But, like, Jim Benning's made the playoffs two out of the seven years. And I know he's took a team over that was in a different uh, spot, at, 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 you know, spot in their trajectory, I guess. 
uh, going forward. But like I know they're rebuilding franchise, which they technically didn't even rebuild, I guess. Um, and to what Gillis said, obviously he took over a great core. Um, I just don't see that you know Jim Benning can build around these players and the excuses. I agree. Like Nick, that was one of the biggest things that bothered me as a fan is the excuses that he made because, you know, Travis Green the other day, uh, he was able to admit a wrong where he, like, he thought he was playing JT Miller too much. And that's part, and he would take the, you know, take the blame. And I've been hard on Green recently as well. And I, like, when Travis Green says something like that, it sort of gives me hope. Like, I feel like when he says something like that, you think, you know, like, I feel like he's a smart guy. He knows what he's talking about. Whereas Jimbo, like, even going back a few years, he was going back and saying, the old regime didn't leave him yeah. anything. And injuries. It was always injuries at the end of the like, season, right? It was always, oh, we got injured. We got with yeah. too many injuries. A lot of excuses. And he would talk about how they never left him anything. And then he would go out and trade draft picks for guys like Sven Berti because he needed to restock the cupboard and guess where Sven Berti is now or where Linden Vane is now. And all these guys that he traded draft picks for, they haven't really worked out other than JT Miller, really. And it's, you know, like, are those not the moves? Like, are those moves that you made in the past not affecting the team right now? Like, ba- like Sam Gagne was in, in, on waivers and playing in Utica for a bit. Like, you signed <laughs> him to a, a couple year contract. Anton Roussel is almost at a point where he might be in Utica next year. You know what I mean? Like, it's getting to the point where like, like you've you've done this team, you know, dirty. You haven't really done a great job, other than obviously your draft. And a lot of people say that that was all Judd Brackett and. I'm not going to say that because that's not fair to Jim, but at the end of the day, like those contracts and trades that you've made are really not like, I think the team is, has a, has a core that you could build around. They actually have that, which he did that. And that's great on Jim, but now you need to be able to, you know, build around this core. And that's the biggest question mark for me. Like is Jim Benning going to be able to do that? Is Francesco Accolini even going to, allow Jim Benning to do that. Mm-hmm. And you need a guy that could come in and actually like if French if Jim ben, like we could make we could talk about how bad Jim Benning's been, but if Francesco Aquilin is going to be a meddling owner, no man is going to be able to come in into this organization and have success. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, no, hold up here, here. Hold up, hold up here. If he brings a new guy in, the new guy in gets a leash. Okay. Jim Benning is at the cycle point where he's yeah he's being neutered. But honestly, like, is Jim Benning being neutered a bad decision right now? I don't think so. No, I think it's completely doing... justified if you're Francesco right. Aquilini. He's probably, you know, there's no revenue coming in. He's seen this guy spend his money in a, in a pretty substandard way. He's given yeah. out contracts to guys like Jay Beagle with no move, no trade clauses. He's probably like, why, <laughs> why do I want to trust this guy to, yep. to spend all this money? Yeah. Right. So, I, I, so the, I think a... I, I think we're at, I don't think this is even that much of a hot take. If if this was a quote unquote regular NHL season with fan paying customers, I think Jim Benning would be gone already. I think wow. the one thing saving Jim Benning's job is the fact that you know there's no fans coming in, there's no there's no revenue coming in. It's the COVID. I just the just the end of the season. The guy blamed COVID. It's keeping his job. I, yeah, I, there's an, there's another perspective to look at. This ownership group has been uh, has been criticized for having such uh, a short leash on a general manager or on a, mm-hmm. on a management group. What if they were trying to change their own, uh, the way people perceive them by giving Jim Benning too much now? I think that's yeah. exactly what it is. Right? 
I don't, you know, doesn't when COVID's over, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna get an email saying, "Hey, where's your deposit for your season tickets?" Right? Mm-hmm. I, I, you cannot blame COVID. Everybody, everybody had no. No one had exhibition games. Everybody exactly, had a yeah. short training camp. This team played until uh, mid September. How much? How much? Why do you need exhibition games? They were good yeah. to go, mm-hmm. and if they ran out of time for Markstrom, Toffoli, Tanev. Stetcher, and then Jim Benning comes on and says, uh, like, you know, we have lots of time to sign Patterson and Hughes and Demko and Pearson for what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't understand. I think that they're just, they got caught and the ownership group doesn't have to, doesn't have to answer to anyone. That's why they have Jim Benning. But here's the thing, Arthur Griffiths, I'm really dating myself. I do this every time. Arthur Griffiths had Pat Quinn, right? Yep. Um, and he had Brian Burke. John McCaw had Brian Burke. Even Dave Nolas could string words together, right? Mike Gillis, his greatest fault was exposing ownership for meddling, right? Yep. The Ryan Kessler non-trade to Pittsburgh. The um, Anything like that. And I think the fan base is absolutely 100% right to feel this way. Uh, did they catch lightning in a ball in uh, in the summer? Maybe. Were they more motivated than the other teams that had some success uh, before the bubble? But you can't say that. This is People say it's a different kind of season. The only There's only two different things. One, you're playing in one Canadian division, which is an advantage because of the travel. The players get rest. Two... Um, it's a shortened season. Mm-hmm. They should have got their stuff together in the beginning. And this is the first year, really, honestly, that I can remember the last time that we've had a full roster, no injuries. Yeah, right? we've been pretty healthy. We've been 100%. Just until yeah. now, I, I get aware in Terry Patterson. Is mm-hmm. where, of course, he's going to get banged up. He's the most marked guy on our team. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no excuse for just writing this off. And if it's a financial revenue thing, I, I'm not on board with that because of all the other things that the Activision is doing in the lower mainland in British Columbia. Uh, and I think they're just, they got too tied up with being too harsh with management, firing somebody right away. And yeah. I gave this Jim Benning way too much rope. And I was like, okay, now what? Yeah. They're going to wait for the contracts to run out. And yeah, we're going to miss the playoffs, right? Mm. We have to run. We have to win every game of regulation and every other team ahead of us loses in regulation. Look what happened in Calgary today. Mm-hmm. They got a point. Yeah, they got a point. Um, I, Gurminder, we lost Gurminder there for a sec. I don't know. Maybe he'll join back uh, during the show. But uh, Ryan, we, we never got your thoughts on uh, what Jim Benning had to say. Uh, what were your thoughts? Uh, two years' time. Two more years, right? Two more years <laughs> before they're actually competitive. They were competitive in the playoffs last season. They should be competitive right now. I yeah. mean, you guys all said it too. Is like he's never really taken you know any blame for himself. It's always been injuries. It's always been this. It's COVID. It's this. It's like you know at some point you just need to look at your team. And it's like we're just not good enough. Like like I built this. We're just not good enough. Travis Green. He can only do so much. The one thing I will say about Green is. Like split up that lotto line. It creates so much more balance for your team. Like drop Pedersen down. Let him play with Bo. 
that's a, that's the the big key one I think. If you drop Pedersen down, you let him play with Bo and even Jake. Like Jake's got to get some toppings at least. Like come on, right? But yeah. in terms of Jimbo, it's just like what do you like? You never really had a, a clear plan, and your key strength was drafting. You never even traded for more picks. You got rid of more picks. Yeah. And you yep. you wanted to restock the cupboard, but you you got all these players that were like. Oh, they showed something in junior. This is not junior. It's not even the American League. Like, sure, okay, cool. Take a little, you know, flyer on them, sure. But you still gave up all these picks. You didn't really acquire much. And none of them worked out, like you said, except for, you know, JT Miller did. But that was just a pick that they traded. And even then this season, you know, it hasn't really worked out for JT in terms of that. Even then, drop him down one line and you might see something. But yeah, um, Jim Benning, you know, it's, I think he should have been gone last year if they didn't make the playoffs last year i think that was it like i didn't mm-hmm. see him getting another year but covid saved him and now he's saying mm-hmm. covid's costing him so i don't know <laughs> right it's pretty yeah, funny that, all right just to go back to your comments about the the two-year plan that was one to me one of the biggest contradictions of the uh, of the press conference because he says we you, we need two more years right first of all he doesn't really talk about what his two-year plan is he just says we need two more years but then he goes on and says Okay, so we need two more years. And then says pretty much his priority is to re-sign Tanner Pearson over negotiating Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes' next contract. So what's more important in two years to this franchise? Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes or Tanner Pearson? Yeah. Like, which, if you have a two-year plan, you want to get better in two years, you want to be a contender in two years, which is more important, locking up your franchise center defenseman or a player who... If everything goes right, he's a good third liner for your team. I think. Like, what, should I think you be, what should you be taking priorities over? I, I I think what Jimbo was trying to say there was like the right now focusing on Pearson makes sense because he's a UFA and and the deadline's approaching, so it sort of makes sense that he's focusing on Tanner Pearson right now. But to bring him back makes absolutely no sense, especially if the season keeps going the way it's going. Um, and even even if it isn't, I still think I think even if they go on a run, like. Then Jimbo's sort of put in a tough spot. Like, let's say they do go on a, a winning streak here, and, and it feels like, you know, a lot of people are saying it's so Canucks that they would go on a win streak before the, the trade deadline here. Um, you know, people are going to want Tanner Pearson to be moved for assets because that's a smart play at the end of the day. I know if they do go on a run, Jimbo probably doesn't look at it that way, and he probably looks at it like the team, you know, is doing well and trading a guy like Tanner Pearson who's playing in your top six is probably not a – you know, a good move for the room. You know, the room is probably not going to like that that move. But, you know, asset management, I guess, you know, that's something that he hasn't been great with. And, you know, as a fan, it's, you have the right to be frustrated about that. But, you know, I it's part of just the way Jimbo's been doing his, you know, business. The, that's just how he's been, you know, handling his job as a GM. And it hasn't been obviously a great grade from any of the fans, I think. You know, you could give him like a B for for uh, drafting, and then the rest of the grades could probably be. Uh, you could probably give him an F for free agents, and then maybe you could give him like a C minus for trades. You know, like it's just it hasn't been a great grade for him, and he's been a he's been around for a while, way too long. Like Griminder said, and by the way, Grin, yeah. Griminder's back. Uh, he lost him there for a bit. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like what he, what you said, like you know, like he's giving he gave Jimbo a longer rope than most GMs that were here because they were getting the reputation of, you know, letting go of GMs too quickly, like Dave Nonis. I remember Dave Nonis takes over for Brian Burke, and I think they make the playoffs one year with him, and the next 
or the year after they miss and he gets mm-hmm. fired, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Can I yeah. say one thing about Dave Nunes? The greatest trade he did <gasps> not make was trading Kessler, Edler, and Schneider for Brad Richards. Right. And he got and he got canned for it. Yeah. Right? What's the one thing Mike Gillis didn't do? He didn't trade Kessler because they were going for it and he mm-hmm. got canned for it. The biggest chip Vancouver has to play right now is Alex Edler. In an in a COVID world, in an all Canadian division, could you imagine Alex Edler on the bottom six of the Toronto Maple Leafs, or even the Montreal Canadiens? Yeah, yeah. but I don't. But Edler's probably not going to wave, right? So Edgar Edler um, Edler controls that. Yeah, he. But you can ask him. You can ask him. Just yeah, be he, like, "Hey, are you open to the yeah. idea?" I'm yeah. sure they have. He's you know, that's, go, a, if, that's a GM yeah. that traded Kevin Bieksa, a GM that traded Ryan Kessler, a GM that. <laughs> Almost like it almost feels like they pushed the Sedins out. Like you know what I mean? Like I don't think he'd be afraid to ask Alex Edler to waive his no trade clause. I think that I think if anything, he doesn't really enjoy the last regime, anyways. Like I, I think he's salty about the last regime. To be honest, I feel like you know, like getting rid of those guys from the last regime and like Kessler. I know Kessler wanted out Bieksa, and it almost felt like they pushed the Sedins out. If it, it felt like that, I know they gave. Uh, Edler extension and stuff, but man, like we look at his record drafting defenseman, you know, I think he needed to keep Edler for those reasons alone. Um, and Bo Horvat's, you know, he loves Bo, but I don't know how he actually really feels about him. I'm sure he feels better about his own draft picks. Uh, I think that sort of has to play a factor in the way the GM does handle his business. I think there is an ego uh, that a GM has over his picks and the last regime's picks, don't you think? Yeah, like absolutely. I, I think he yeah. does. Like I'm not saying he hates Bo. I know he made the made him the captain. So I'm just saying, like he probably feels more comfortable with his own picks. And you know, I think if he was to make a trade, you know, um, actually we're gonna be taking a call. We're gonna take calls here soon. Uh, uh, Johnny uh, on Twitter really wanted to join her, and he's joining us right now. Uh, yes, how's it going, Johnny? I can't hear you, Johnny. Muted, bud. I think you're muted. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Can you boys hear me now? Yeah, I can hear yeah. you. Yeah. I Very see that you're wearing on. the Vertanen jersey. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> I hear that. I uh, see that you're wearing a Vertanen jersey. I'd like to see that. Uh, we yeah, were actually absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me tonight. Uh, I was just catching up on the last podcast there. Um, you know what? Uh, I just wanted to come on for a few minutes and uh, basically say the unsung hero this year is the fans. I mean. Mm-hmm. I've been watching this team since 1994, uh, mm-hmm. 92 even, and um, I'm just I'm in disbelief at kind of where we're at as a as a fan nation uh, with the franchise. I mean we've got we've got we've got an administration right now in power um, seven going on eight years with nothing but two playoff performances to show. Uh, we're, we're coming on close to a decade here. I mean, I was there in 2011 when, you know, shit hit the fan and we lost the cup to Boston. And, and it's to me as a Canuck fan, it's an, it's unacceptable to continue along this road, uh, with management and coaching for that matter. I just don't think they've done enough. And I'm finding this weird transition now in the culture of the Canuck fans in that 
we're trusting this Jim Benning guy after seven, eight years of no results to take us further. Like, why are we doing this? What has changed? You have, a, you have the right to, you know, ask those questions because we were just talking about that right now. Like, it felt like Jimbo was making a lot of excuses at his press conference. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Do you agree? What was something that he said that really bothered you? I mean, for me, it was just a lot of shoulder shrugging, no answers. You know, mm -hmm. this happened. We didn't have a long training camp. We didn't get a lot of practices. We played a lot of games. Well, guess what? When you look around the division, I mean, those teams, they had the same situation. Exactly. They just, adap yeah. they, they just adapted, <clears throat> in, my, in my mind. Uh, do you think that the team had a chance to come back and maybe make a run here and make the playoffs? Like, are you like, as a fan, have you given up all the hope or do you still have that hope? Because I, I sort of have that blind hope as a fan because, you know, when you win three out of four in March with top six Jake, you know, you got to, you know, <laughs> I think they have a chance. Yeah, and I think for me, that's the other thing that's been kind of strange. I've noticed a shift in the fans and that, I don't know, they're just, they just seem really quick to kind of just, give up on the local boys that we've, you know, born and raised out here. And um, like Vertanen, I personally feel like we're partially responsible for some of that stunted growth. And that's a hot take. And I know there's going to be a lot of criticism on that, but I mean, you can't play a guy with a Roussel or, you know, all these bums for years and Absolutely. years and you, and you expect him to be good. I mean, the one thing that surprised me about the Benning conference just to go back to your question uh, mm -hmm. is the fact that he really meant he sold Bo Horvat the whole time he was talking mm -hmm. about how great of a year Bo Horvat's having well guess what boys guess what let me tell you something in a couple years you know Bo Horvat he's already said he doesn't want to be a part of another rebuild he doesn't have time mm -hmm. he's been in the league six seven years I mean I'm telling you right now, he's not going to re-sign in Vancouver if we're talking about another rebuild. And mm -hmm. and quite frankly, it's unacceptable for Jim Benning to be he's the second longest tenured GM in the in the history of the franchise and he's got nothing but two playoff performances to show for it. And there's still fans on Twitter that are like diehard Benning Pro Benning, like I, I, it boggles my mind. I, I just don't understand it. I, I agree, man. Uh, it's crazy how uh, you know. Last year, I think you could sort of, you know, be a little bit more pro Benning with how they made the playoffs and JT Miller trade was going well, and it made sense to be a little bit more of a pro Benning during that time. Uh, even though, like, there are still some question marks with the way he was, you know, asset management and everything like that. But uh, you know, this year's been. <laughs> Like, how could you even defend Benning right now with how everything's going, you know? I mean, I'm just looking. I'm not even, like, I'm just looking on basic Wikipedia here, boys. Like, <laughs> you look you look at Mike Gillis' tenure from 2008 to 2014. Let's take a look at it. One Stanley Cup final appearance. Won the President's Trophy two times. Won the GM of the Year Award. One conference title, five division titles, and five playoff appearances. Unreal. And, and you've got fans on here defending Benning over Gillis, oh. and he's got two playoff appearances <clears throat> in seven years. This is madness. I, like, I agree. I love, this, but, I, love, I love this fire. 
Okay, yeah, this, this is this is passion, man. This is what yeah, we all. This is what we've been, you know, beating <laughs> on the same drum. Like how many times have we talked about this with Jimbo? And and I, there is a Jimbo does sort of have an excuse. I'm not making a case for Jimbo because I, I agree everything you said. He took over a team that was sort of not the same as what Jim what Gillis took over. Gillis took over a team that had the talent, everything. He just had to build around it where Jimbo had to sort of start from the bottom and make its way up. And yes. I'm not going to take away those draft picks away from him, but, you know, we need a guy that could build around the core. And honestly, do we trust Jim Benning after what he did was signing Roussel, signing Beagle, um, now trying to sign Tanner Pearson, uh, Louis Erickson. I didn't even bring Louis Erickson up, and that's like a terrible contract. You can make the argument that Myers hasn't been great um, with the money that he's making, but he hasn't been. he's not a bad defenseman. He's just not value-wise, you would you can make an argument that he hasn't been great, right? So, and, and now Braden Holpe. And you got Sven Brady playing in the minors as well. So, I agree with you, uh, Johnny. Uh, your name says Justin on here, but your Twitter name is Johnny. I don't know, what's your real name here? Because <laughs> I want to make sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys, Johnny or Smitty, whatever you guys want to call. But, uh, uh, I mean, hey, listen, it, for me, again, it's it's the fan base here that takes a hit every year. Because we support these guys through thick and thin, mm-hmm. and we want what's and we, and we want to be competitive. Um, and it shouldn't take a decade to be competitive, in my opinion. I mean, Boston, yeah. Boston was right with us that year in 2011, mm-hmm. and I mean, look at them since 2011. Look at Boston. I mean, why can't we be a Boston? I don't understand that. I yeah, well, Boston's just the way they've done stuff is remarkable. They had a younger core when they went to the Cup final. I think that has a big part of it. But they've yeah. also drafted, well, other than that 2015 draft that we laugh about, um, yeah. they are actually... Can I, can, I, can I add something to what uh, yeah. Smitty said? Smitty. Call him Smitty. Yeah, yeah Smitty. Smitty here now. First of all, um, oh my God, 1994. Uh, my first game was 84. <laughs> That's wow. amazing. And I appreciate And your passion is great. And we all get it. And we all feel it. We are in a dangerous road right now. Jack Eichel. It's not going to be a Buffalo Sabre next year. Right? Yeah. Patterson and Hughes took the same... Uh, Patterson and Hughes got the same agent. If they don't straighten out what's going on, they're going to ask for a trade. I said uh, it like three weeks ago. Russell Wilson is taking control of his <laughs> life because he's getting banged up behind that offensive line. I'm not even a Seahawks fan. But it, what's, the trend is, if you don't if you don't show your players, your young players, there's no point in drafting your Patterson Hughes to be like, yeah, well, I want to trade out of here. The only reason Connor McDavid hasn't asked for a trade is because he got a 13-year deal, and they're, he's trending upwards. But we cannot, cannot, cannot have this management group do what Buffalo did to Jack Eichel. Right now, if yeah. you could, I would trade for Eichel. Mm-hmm. You, you'd have to. Oh, he Eichel's is a great player. A yeah, number absolutely. one center. He's a number one center on 10 teams in this league. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a dangerous path. You cannot anymore. Before teams, I remember this one story I heard about the Habs and the Leafs when it was the original six, that they would they would have power over players. They controlled you until you were 31 years old. Right? Mm-hmm. Do you remember the second lockout in 2005? That Mm-hmm. UFA age dropped to 27. Mm-hmm. And now players are just going to say, nope. And then you have to trade. 
The players are the player. You're right, Gurinder. Players are the ones deciding where they want to play now. And then NBA, NFL, uh, NFL is a little different, but the, the NHL is starting to trend that way too. And it's a, it's very concerning as a Canucks fan when you have two superstars that contracts are up. And like uh, Smitty said, that you know, Bo Horvat mm-hmm. doesn't want to be a part of another rebuild. So, you know, like if Bo Horvat just thinks that this team's not going the right direction, maybe he walks as a UFA coming up. So. Again, Smitty, it was awesome to have you on. Uh, first time on the SCT show. Uh, love that you're rocking the JV jersey because <laughs> SCT uh, supports JV very, very, very much. And uh, everything you said, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. Honestly, like, do you everything you hit on everything that we were talking about earlier, and you, you brought up a lot of great points. Uh, something that you know we cannot, you know, we gotta give you credit for. That was great passion, uh, fire, and. I hope that uh, our Canucks could turn it around here. Yeah, no, me too. And and uh, again, just to end it, I mean, the thing that's with this whole divide with the fans, like it, it. That's the other thing that's kind of startling <clears throat> me is it's it's almost like when you're looking up when you're checking Twitter now, it's like you're you're almost reading American politics. It's like CNN <laughs> versus like Fox News. It is. It, it's just like one extreme <laughs> to the other. You've got one mm-hmm. side talking about. Yulevi walking in as a top two defenseman. Um, <laughs> and then you've got the other side that's just also, a, you know, pretty chaotic. Um, and yeah. I just wish that we don't have to get to that point because we're all fans. We all want to mm-hmm. win the cup. Right. Um, right. And I, I just wish we could kind of come together a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, Benning, I do believe, did draft very well, as I had mentioned. However, you know, when you really look at it, things did kind of fall in place. I mean, if you look at the Quinn Hughes draft year, mm-hmm. um, Montreal shook the league. They took Kakinemi third mm-hmm. overall. That was yeah. that was a big shakeup. Yeah. We weren't expecting to get Quinn Hughes that year. Mm-hmm. So just when you calculate Jim Benning's performance, yes, he's made some good draft picks, but he's also had some things fall in his his lap and and quite frankly Quinn Hughes I mean if Kakinami was not taken third overall I mean I don't know I don't know if we would have gotten Quinn Hughes so yeah things, things well, that sorry about. sorry also Barry Hayden going fifth yeah. overall to Arizona was huge that was that was a big one at the time and then right? Zadina, like, I don't think people expected him going there yeah and then Zadina uh Detroit had an option yeah. to take the guy from Michigan the kid from Michigan and they decided to go with Zadina instead and like we talk about this. Uh, Gramender's talked about it many times. That Quinn Hughes, we don't even count that as a betting pick because he fell in our lap, and it's it's facts. It really is. Wow. Um, yeah. And again, yeah. look at that. Like he, you know, Smitty comes on the show, and everything he says is like yeah. we can't even disagree with the guy. Like everything he said was bang on. All facts. Um, I'm I'm sure maybe maybe Joe disagrees with the Gillis and and Benning stuff. But uh, other than that, I think that, I think that it was a great call, uh, uh, Smitty. And again, thank you for coming on. We'll, we'll yeah. definitely get you on again. Yeah. Um, everything is, everything you said was, was spot on hundred percent. Yeah. And, and, and just, just to, just to end it, I mean, like, can we please, when we draft players that, you know, if you're somewhat aware they have an attitude or there's something going on, like, Mm-hmm. scouts gms like like management please understand it takes time to groom those players maturity but grooming them but grooming them means playing them with talent you know we've mm-hmm. rotted vertanen on the third and fourth line in mm-hmm. vancouver we did the same thing with grab michael grabner 
we did the same thing with, you know, there's been, there's Bo, been Bo Horvat. A, you can yeah, argue Bo, Bo Horvat Horvat. hasn't played with anyone. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's ridiculous what we expect guys like Vertana to do on a third or fourth line for mm-hmm. four or five years. So, anyways, uh, hey, thanks for the call, guys, and uh, I'd love to join you guys again another time. Yeah, Take anytime, care. Smitty. Yeah, uh, Take Enjoy the rest of the night. Take care. Yeah, see ya. That was Smitty. Uh, you know, he, he'd been DMing, DMing me recently and uh, asked me uh, if he could get on the show, and I said I can't turn down guys that, you know, that, you know, listen to the show, and uh, it's very nice, very nice. Britannic supporter again. Um, and, it, and everything he said was pretty much spot on. Like, I, I can't disagree. I can't agree with them more. Like, Bo Horvat one is concerning. First off, what what he said about Bo, like you know, as a captain of the team, we don't expect we're not we don't expect him to leave. But if stuff starts going sideways, like it's going in Buffalo, you know, like anything is possible, yeah. especially with the way the new trend is, where it's player players decide where they want to play. Players, re, yeah, uh, but okay, but it's still the powerful NHL. agents now too. It's still the NHL, and it's not the NBA or the NFL where where guys really free 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 themselves to go wherever they want. So. You know, maybe, that changes, maybe that changes in the future. I think yeah, Jack Eichel, whatever happens with Jack Eichel coming here, I think that right there is a like a superstar player. If he if he makes it public public that he wants out, that could start start a trend. A, a little thing like that, Jack Eichel could be the first player that does it. A superstar player that asks for. I think there's other. There have been players in the past that have oh, done sure. it. Sure, it, it's gonna you know pop I mean? up, but lar- largely Eric Lindros didn't want to play in. Was it Quebec, right? Yeah. yeah. The, the thing so is, hockey players are, are generally hockey players are generally not like that. Where that's not like you know, like a guy like Connor McDavid even has had his you know, the poor guy. He's just been dragged through the mud. Like, okay, best player in the world. Look at him at the end of the season. He looks like he smoked meth all year. By the end of the year, <laughs> so, and and he still hasn't asked to go anywhere. Yeah. So you know, like I I don't see for sure that um these guys are going to ask help, but. You know what was said was right. Where you know if things just keep going sideways. Eventually, guys are going to have enough. And like if you look at Buffalo, like Jesus, that's a horrible situation. So I do understand Eichel wanting out, and there's a chance that we got there, sure. Um, but I think we're going to be okay. Like I really think next year we're going to rebound. I think we're going to have a way better year next year. And I think a lot of things conspired against us, like the way the season started, playing so many games in a row. Um, so I think next year we'll be, we'll bounce back. And I think if they can get rid of Benning, cause my big thing is I don't want Jim Benning negotiating Pedersen or Hughes contracts. Please, for the love of God, Francesco, get rid of this guy. Because if he's negotiating those two contracts, it's guaranteed to be a shit show. Yeah. And, and just, just to add off that, you know, the, the structure of those contracts, the Quinn Hughes, Elias Pedersen contracts are really going to determine Mm-hmm. where the Canucks go in the future because let's say they both sign identical six-year deals. I think it was uh, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves coming right. out of their ELCs yep. with the Blackhawks. They signed like identical contracts, right? Like I can see a situation like that where both those guys sign identical deals. That's going to yep. that's gonna be like an anchor, like a, a framework for how you build this team going forward. Like say, yeah, again, say they sign six years, how, however many dollars a year, however many AAV. That's your window. You got six years to, to build a team around those guys, right? right. Um, yeah, but Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves had won a cup when they signed that deal, right? right. Yeah, and and 
that's all we want as fans, right? <laughs> be able to win the cup. We can't screw that up. But but so there's a reason both those guys. But there's a reason both those oh, guys yeah, are, are in the same industry. They want the same agent. They want leverage. They want to be. They yes. want to negotiate as a block and be yeah. able to say, okay, we will sign a six-year, seven-year deal, but we want some changes, mm-hmm. right? Like that's that's the play. Yeah. Uh, you guys, you know, bang on. Like Harrison Hughes' contracts are massive, and I don't think anybody here. On, on the SCT show, anyways, doesn't trust Jim Benning to negotiate those contracts. So, you know, we've, we've, you know, we've made it clear that we don't want him making those decisions. I know FA listens to the show. Uh, unfortunately, Jimbo <laughs> does too. So we're sorry, Jimbo, because, you know, I know he listens to the show because, you know, he resigned Vertanen after I, you know, told him that he should. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, we got to talk quickly about, uh, I put a Twitter. I put a question out on Twitter on this on the podcast account here on Twitter, um, and I asked the public who's unsung hero is going uh, so far in the season. Obviously, eleven fifteen and two is not the ideal start that we wanted halfway through the season, but uh, you know I got a lot of responses. A lot of them thought the Hoaglander was the guy. Uh, there was a great reply from our own pizza guy. Uh, he said that Francesco Accolini. Is unsung hero, uh, unsung hero. When he took to Twitter to fire Donnelly, it was epic. Ouch! <laughs> but yeah, we got a couple, a couple responses uh, talking about Tyler Myers. Let me read this one out. Tell me what you guys think about it because you know Tyler Myers very polarizing in this city, uh, contract wise, not the greatest contract. I think you know we could all agree there. As sure. a player, I don't think he's terrible, but I don't think he's great either. But I think he makes some good points here. Justin Getz, uh, Jay Getz, 98 on Twitter. I almost want to say Myers. He's not mm-hmm. quite worth his contract, but he really has stepped up this year. He's toned down the penalties. He blocks a lot of shots. He wins battles, and he jumps up into the rush more, <sighs> more, uh, more. He's sixth on the team in scoring. Uh, big step from last year. And then I got uh, uh, the Brindy Gypsy. CRG, uh, CR Gypsy 31 on Twitter. Myers has played above what was expected of him. Holglander as well. So for me, the Myers one is interesting because I feel like both of them are sort of set the bar too low for a guy that's making $6 million sure. a season, right? Like, you know, a guy that's making $6 million, he should be making an impact positively. Six on the team in scoring, which is good. You know, it's not bad for a defenseman. But I do sort of agree that he has been better jumping up into the plays this year offensively than last year. His point totals suggest that. Defensively, though, like especially last game, <laughs> that play, that was tough. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, like I think that he's been better as the season's gone, just like the team has gotten a little bit better now here. But, again, I don't know. I don't know. If he's on unsung hero, personally, if I were to pick on unsung hero, it'd probably be Niels Holger. Jake for Dannon? <laughs> no. Well, okay. right, now it, right now it can't be Jake. But if, <laughs> if the season goes to around here that I'm, that I'm blindly hoping it does, Jake might be in that conversation, but I honestly think he'll probably be – it won't be Demko because Demko might just take the MVP, uh, yep. like team MVP. Right now, I think we all agree it's Brock. But uh, – you know, maybe Jake can be that unsung hero if the season does turn around here that I'm blindly hoping it does. And another great uh, answer on here for the unsung hero was Jordy Ben. Jordy Ben was 
seeming like he we were we thought he might not even be on this team this year. Uh, like people thought maybe we should trade him. Uh, we probably wouldn't be playing daily in the lineup, and he's been steady. I think he's been better than Hamannik, to be honest. So, um, oh, yeah. what are your guys' thoughts on the unsung hero? And well, and let's let's answer unsung hero. I personally think it's Hoaglander right now. Um, let's talk about the MVP. I think we could all agree it's Brock. And another one, the best defenseman. That's a very interesting one because Quinn Hughes defensively hasn't been great. So, take it, Nick. Um. Okay. So, unsung hero first or defenseman? Does doesn't matter. Uh, I guess. Doesn't matter. Just, okay, I'll just go oh. unsung hero. Yeah, I, I have to agree that it, it's Niels Hoagland. He's been a revelation this year. And mm-hmm. I, I think he's been a revelation because not only is he kind of slotted into that top six right now, I think his eventual role going forward with the Canucks, once we, you know, maybe maybe Jim Benning's here another two years and he magically builds a, a contender. <laughs> but whoever the next GM is, I think he's got a, a really solid middle six forward in Niels Hoaglander going forward like i don't think he has quite the offensive upside yet he hasn't shown it quite yet has been that consistent to be a top top line forward but he can definitely slot in be a really good second line third line winger if you're a really deep team and 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 contribute there i think the best defenseman this season has been nate schmidt i think nate schmidt has been really really good and i think the reason he doesn't get talked about is he's made a bunch of you know big time five alarm bonehead mistakes that mm-hmm. people have seared into their memory and they forget all the little plays he makes mm-hmm. you know, throughout a game that make him a really, really solid defenseman. Like you, you look at the numbers. Go on National Stat Trick. Look at his numbers with Alex Edler. They've sneakily been one of the best pairings in the NHL this year at 5-on-5. Five five. Like mm-hmm. Nate has been very, very good, along with Alex Edler as well for the Canucks this season. But I think it's like, it's like you know, that... It was it was against Montreal where he hit it into his own net. I can't remember who it was against. Yeah, yeah game, I think it was Montreal. I think it's it's mistakes like that, right? It's like you know, scoring on your own goalie and just big big time mistakes like that that <clears> kind of <throat> make people forget how good this guy has been at five on five. I was about to say Quinn Hughes, but look, Quinn Hughes is putting up the points. But you look at his five on five numbers defensively; like he hasn't been that good. Like he's mm-hmm. he's letting in a lot of five on five scoring chances against. So for me, it's Schmidt. I think Schmidt's been a very good defenseman and a really good add uh, for this team. Add, add to the Myers take that Justin Getz had um, and the Gypsy, I don't know, the Gypsy uh, on Twitter. He also thought that Myers was in the conversation. Do you agree? For Myers' best defenseman? No, like just unsung hero. No, no, no way. No, okay. Okay. no way, no way. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, Germinder? Um, I do agree about... Okay, well, we'll start with... Um, I have to say something about Tyler Myers. His zone entry is absolutely on point. If you watch mm-hmm. that guy skate, he's being put in, just like Jake Vertanen, he's not being put in a position to succeed this year, and it's mm-hmm. not his own fault. He's being asked to take on more work. Uh, but when he has the puck, man, you can't stop Tyler Myers. He's too big. Yeah. yeah. It's too big, and he's got good hands, great hands, right? Mm-hmm. When it comes to unsung hero... It's JT Miller. Well, well that's because wow. he has done so much with so much criticism. Mm-hmm. I think it's unfair for everybody to dump on him so hard just after one year. This is how players leave Vancouver, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, he's got. He's a point of game player. What else can you ask for from any of your top? Six forwards. A point a game? That's great. 
doesn't matter about his body language. doesn't matter about his F-bombs on the ice. Yeah. That shouldn't um, matter at all. Exactly. Yeah, F-bomb mm-hmm. should matter. It's, it's, it's the body language <laughs> where after he turns out a puck over that concerns me sometimes. That's what concerns yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I get it. I get, I get the 85-foot backhand sauce pass on the power play that gets intercepted in an Eagles score breakaway, right? That's how Montreal beat us three games. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. But he is an integral part of the team. And I think, you know, everybody deserves a chance. Everybody is up and down years. And he's very quietly. It's his off-ice stuff or his bench stuff that's getting him the most attention. But mm-hmm. on the ice, he's producing, right? Yeah. He's scoring. He's getting assists. Uh, so that's my unsung hero. Uh, the best defenseman for me is Alex Edler. Yeah. Uh, paired with Nate, Nate Schmidt reminds me of a young Ed Jovanovsky. Um, but when you have a tenured veteran like that, yeah, you got to give him respect. Just like Tyler Myers, he's putting in a position where he can't succeed, but he's the eagle, right? Mm-hmm. And. Uh, and you rely on that kind of guy. He's not getting the points anymore, but that's not what we expect of Alex Adler anymore. Mm-hmm. He's just steady on the back end, leadership, veteran presence, professionalism on and off the ice. And he's the greatest defenseman the Canucks have ever had. Mm-hmm. And I think he's having a good year, but it's not highlighted uh, because of this way the season is going. I, I agree with the, uh, I don't know about the Edler just because he's taken a lot of penalties but when he does play well it's it's evident that the team plays well like when he plays at his best mm-hmm. like the Canucks are playing great as well so mm-hmm. I do agree in that sense but the penalties have been a little concerning with how many he's taken but he's gotten older and the Canucks were relying on him to play too many minutes at the age mm-hmm. that he's at but yeah. he is obviously in my opinion the, the greatest defenseman in Canucks history as of right now. And I know me and Kyle Bowen uh, from the Nux Misconduct Network and uh, sipping <laughs> on a 40. Oh, last year we had a conversation. He thought Quinn Hughes is the best defenseman in Canucks history already. And, you know, at no. that time, sure. And Quinn is great and he probably will be, but I still feel like defense is part of hockey. You know what I mean? And, and Alex Edler, mm-hmm. in my opinion, is still the greatest, but I think Quinn will take over. Uh, Joe, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so, you know, my thing is Quinn Hughes is going to be the greatest defenseman in the history of this team. There's no mm-hmm. doubt in my mind. Quinn Hughes is just trying to do a little too much right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why you're seeing some of the defensive lapses. Last year, the one thing I really liked about him is he used to chase down pucks and chip them out and get them out of his own zone quickly. I haven't seen that this year. I don't know why that's not happening, but I haven't seen those. Where, know, he, races, he races the guy back, and then he chips the puck before he gets it. Those little plays I haven't seen this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would still go Hughes with my mm-hmm. um, best defenseman just because the work he's doing offensively mainly is just off the charts. No Canuck has ever performed like this in their first 100 games on yeah. defense. It's astounding what he's doing. Um, and, you know, I don't mind Schmidt. I think Schmidt is just finding his groove right now. I know mm-hmm. no one cares about plus minus, but he leads the team plus three. And this team only has five guys in the plus. Okay, It's pathetic, mm-hmm. our plus minus. No one cares, <laughs> I guess. Is he really? Plus yeah. three? Yeah, plus three. Yeah, plus three, which that is leads, unreal. That leads our team. Wow. Okay? And I know no one talks about that stat, but it is a stat to look at. Uh, <laughs> you know, anyway, so... and um, good. Uh, so I'm still going with Quinn Hughes as best. I think that the defensive lapses will go away. He's also played with a bunch of D partners too. They've kind of been throwing them around to everyone. So mm-hmm. I think you're going to see that turn around. My unsung hero uh, for sure is Mott. 
So we forget about Ma because he hasn't played, but he scored five goals in his 15 games and he was playing well. Like him mm-hmm. not being here is a big loss. And so just to get to Ma too, like if this team's not making the playoffs, Ma, I believe is on a one-year deal. You know, you got to look at moving that guy because the return should be good. If the return oh, yeah. is not, if the return is not good, just resign him right now. Get yeah. him out of the way. Okay. Cause he's a good player. You want to keep him. Um, and to go into Myers, which is always seems to be my favorite conversation in SCT because in a, in the strictly Canucks group chat, these guys love to murder Tyler Myers. Okay. I'll tell you one thing. Every power, every penalty kill, the first two guys out are Myers and Edler. Mm-hmm. Every single penalty kill. People are like, oh, he's on the ice for a lot of goals. Well, yeah. <laughs> You'd be too if you're out for a minute and a half of every single penalty that's in the league. So I, you know, I, I defend Myers a lot, mostly mm-hmm. because I just like to troll some of the guys. Um, mm-hmm. Myers makes a lot of mistakes. And Myers is a decent player. Like, you know, okay, when we signed him, six mil was a little much. But like at the time, this is pre-COVID numbers. I hate yeah. when people bring salaries from pre-COVID into the discussion now. Like yeah. it was a completely different ball game. If you had your crystal ball, you could win the Stanley Cup this year. You would have signed no one last year and you would have brought in a team of all-stars all for a million or two dollars each. And you'd be laughing. But unfortunately, no one knew that was going to happen. So when, yeah, when you look at Myers making $6 million, it's obviously way too much. But he's a solid player. You know, he's not a top guy. Um, he's never going to do too much. But I think he's got 10 assists this year. I like to see that. And the main thing about him is just he is still a physical guy. People joke, oh, he's not that tough for a big guy. Well, he's yeah, still physical. pretty tough. He's pretty fucking tough. If you're in front of the net, I'm sorry, but who you want to see, him or Troy Stetcher? And I don't want to go there with you, Tamir. I know you love Troy Stetcher, but it's like these are the kind of guys you win in the playoffs with is guys who are a little tough. Now, Myers took a million penalties last year. It didn't help in the playoffs. <laughs> but if he gets over that this year, um, I just I like what he's done this year. And I think I seen the athletic graded him a C. Mm-hmm. I thought that was ridiculous. That's something personal there to grade that guy a C. Like, okay, mm-hmm. his analytics aren't great, I guess. Whatever you guys made up for him there, but come on. How about you, Ryan? <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go unsung hero. I'm going to go Bo Horvat, actually. Mm-hmm. I don't think Horvat gets, uh, you know, like I know Jimbo was really giving him a lot of credit and whatnot. I don't think he gets the same credit from the fans, especially when you see games True. where, okay, cool, he might I think a lot of people take, a, take him for granted at A this lot point. of people yeah. do take him for oh, granted. Yeah. Even I've tweeted, like, you know, where's Bo? Because there, there have yeah. been games, okay, where Bo might not be there, but he carries so much dead weight on his wing. And like yeah. he's responsible for a lot. He kills penalties. He, you know, he's your two way forward. He's really responsible on both ends of the ice. Where if you just give him that sort of opportunity to, you know, maybe say, okay, be more offensive right now and give you that player on the wing, you know, Horvat would probably be a point of game player right now. Unsung hero's got to be Bo Horvat. Best defenseman, it's Quinn Hughes. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I like the Nate Schmidt shout. Shout, but the thing with Nate Schmidt is I've kind of been underwhelmed by him just because he hasn't been there offensively. Defensively, mm-hmm. he's been decent, whereas Quinn Hughes, it's been the opposite. Defensively, he hasn't been very good, but then offensively, he's been there. Quinn Hughes is by far going to be the best defenseman the franchise has ever seen. Quinn Hughes right now is still your best defenseman. Whenever Quinn Hughes is out there, he's going to make plays happen. Defensively, he's okay, he hasn't been as good as he has been, but he hasn't been completely terrible defensively. Quinn Hughes is easily your best defenseman. I like the Tyler Mott shout out too for the for the um, unsung hero. Mm-hmm. I think if Mott had been playing, I'm not going to say that you know we'd be in a, a better spot right now. But it's a lock, though. yeah, like you know what <laughs> yeah. you're getting with Tyler Mott. Mm-hmm. 
You wouldn't have I to agree. play a, a guy like Roussel as much. Exactly. Yeah. If, if Tyler Motts. I don't think Roussel would be playing if. Well, yeah, he wouldn't be playing. He shouldn't be playing. No, he shouldn't be playing right now. I think McEwen yeah. should be in the lineup over him, in my opinion. I'm not trying to hate on Roussel. Um, it's just what I've seen this year. He hasn't been the same. Ever since that knee injury, he hasn't been the same player, and, and that's fine. Like, you know, players get injured, and that's a serious injury, Roos. Like, you know, you work I, – I see the effort there. I see him working hard, but there's times where it's just – like last night, he took a bad penalty that could have cost us, but luckily it didn't. So – I never gave my best defenseman. I think I'm going to give it to Quinn Hughes as well, just because Quinn Hughes, yeah, defensively hasn't been great, but he has been playing with a lot of different D partners this year. Uh, Jordy Ben, it was going well for a little bit, but then it didn't go so well. And I was playing with Travis Hamanick, and both those guys are bottom pair guys. Like, let's be honest. Like, I know we expect Quinn to just carry any defenseman he plays with, but, you know, playing with Chris Tanev compared to those two guys, whole different ball game. I think that Quinn Hughes offensively has been great. Yesterday, that move on the blue line, Mitch Marner, just that was just nasty. Um, and offensively, like I said, he's been good. Defensively, you want to see better. I think he'll get better, but he definitely needs a good uh, partner with him. Like a, a guy that is big, but defensive, but can move the puck. Like a Cernak, like a Cernak in Tampa Bay. Like That's the guy that, that Thomas Trance was talking about a lot. Uh, before the season started, that we should go out and offer sheet him. And I think it was a great plan, honestly. I really think that the Canucks should have maybe thought about doing that. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm giving Thomas a lot of a love right now. I'm just, you know, just, you know, been trolling him a lot recently. His Leafs, you know, losing to the Canucks <laughs> without without uh, Pedersen in the lineup. So I think that, you know, Turnak would have been a perfect guy for Quinn Hughes this year, uh, you know, bringing in a guy like him. Like, I, I think... That's the kind of D-man you want next to Hughes, a good defensive defenseman that can move the puck well and skate well enough where, like, I don't think Hamannick and Ben are the greatest skaters. I think Ben probably works better with Hughes, personally, but, you know, I don't know if you guys agree. I think that that's the kind of defenseman he needs next to him if he, uh, if you want the best out of Hughes. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. But isn't that just the story of of Jim Benning's tenure as GM of the Vancouver Canucks? Just yes, no, yes. the no plan plan. Like, yeah. you have all these opportunities, <laughs> no real plan. It's kind of just going from, oh, okay, let's sign the veterans. Oh, okay, let's go for it now. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's just been the story of the story for Jim Benning's tenure with the Vancouver Canucks. Is there's yeah. no real plan? It seems like from. Well, there's you know the plan changes from season to season. There doesn't seem to be like a four or five they, year plan. They ever. live day to day, day to day, in this uh, day to day, day to day, and we don't know. Uh, I saw a tweet out there today that Jimbo doesn't know who they're playing tomorrow because he lives day to day. I think that was by Taj, nineteen forty four, uh, famous Twitter account on on Canucks Twitter, uh, great Twitter account. Um, I think that, you know, I think we should end the show there. I think we've, you know, given Jimbo enough heat. By the way, I think Jimbo having the balls, I don't remember want to say something, but Jimbo having the balls to step up there and talk to the media, uh, you know, I appreciate that from Jimbo. I just want to hear from the owner now, like Francesco Aquilini, like stop hiding behind your computer, your tweets. Just get out. I know you don't like speaking to the media. Just get out there and talk to the media. Griminder, last word before we, we uh, sign off here. Uh, thank you. I think we would be remiss if we didn't pay our respects and give our prayers to the Gretzky family. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, R. R. Absolutely. I I had I was so fortunate. I met Walter Gretzky 
at the Canada Hockey House in 2010 during the Olympics. I ended up, we ended up getting tickets to go to see Wayne. And I remember saying, you know, I hope uh, I'm as good a hockey dad as you, that my <laughs> son or daughter can be as good as your son. And he's like, I hope your son or daughter is better than mine. Wow. And, and um, yeah, it hits, it hits hard, right, when you, when you go to the ranking of kids. Um, mm-hmm. Good man. You know, we at the end of the day, um, a man like that deserves our respect and our prayers. We are, we're a sports podcast, right? And I think yeah. that uh, we can't let memories of people like that that have done so much for so many mm-hmm. um, go without being recognized. So rest in peace, Walter Gretzky. Yeah, rest in peace to Walter Gretzky and, uh, you know, tough news and not just Walter Gretzky leaving us, uh, you know, Schultze on TSN, who was yeah, a yeah. CFL panel, uh, pa- was on the CFL panel. I'm not a big CFL fan, but I knew him and, yeah. man, that guy brought a lot of energy to the to the panel and um, sad to see a guy so young pass away. So, you know, rest in peace to those two, you know, that left their, uh, their mark on this planet and uh, I hope that... Uh, uh, you know, the families are okay and well, we'll end the show there.